Welcome to the Compass Christian Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information, visit us at compasslu.org. Faith, our sufficiency is not of ourselves. Uh, We saw this with Will last time. He had faith is not about me, it's about him. The next one is faithfulness is not always easy or convenient. I know that's not always the easiest thing to hear. Uh, Faithfulness is also not determined by the outcome. If you please turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. During the True Faith Sermon series, we have been walking through people of faith in Hebrews 11. The first example we'll look at today is Jeremiah. Jeremiah is not specifically called out or named in Hebrews 11, but we will see the example based on the descriptions here given in verse 36. Verse 36, Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. Mocking here directly points to the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was also bound in chains and imprisoned. However, his record is known especially for mocking, as we will see. Jeremiah, he was the son of a priest, and at a very young age, he was called to be a prophet. Let's look at how Jeremiah responds to God's call. Jeremiah chapter 1, we'll start in verse 6. Then I said, Alas, Lord Yahweh, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. Jeremiah here thinks that he's too young. In their culture, um, an adult would be around age 30. Jeremiah at this time, we don't know his exact age. It's either the high teens or early 20s. He thinks that he does not have the experience or the knowledge of someone who's considered adult at age 30 in that culture. He's questioning his ability to be able to be a prophet for God. Let's see how God responds to Jeremiah. Verse 7. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all, uh, to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. God's response is one of encouragement and strengthening. God was increasing Jeremiah's faith. He thought he was lacking in ability. Um, We also saw this last time with Abraham. We saw it through Abraham's life that God was able to work with him slowly to increase that faith. It's not at the very beginning that you have to have the enormous amount of faith that you might have at the end of your life. We are to follow Jeremiah's example here and not see ourselves from our own strength, but to trust and rely on God's strength. I want to note here a message of thinking that you're not good enough, especially here with youth for Jeremiah. Abraham's message and the example that he showed showed that faith can grow over time. However, faith does not start when society or culture tells you you are ready. It is not when uh, society or culture says that you are now old enough. 
Jemiah had to maybe wait 10 more years before his culture or society would have said he is ready. But God called him when God knew he was ready. We know that God does not always call the strong to do the heavy lifting. God does not always call the smartest to do the problem solving. God does not always call the most qualified to be the kings or prophets. But God always calls the faithful, regardless of what our five senses might say, is the right person. And in this case, God called Jeremiah. Through the next few chapters, Jeremiah has shown that he needs to preach repentance for Israel. For disaster is coming from the north. Israel had once again turned away from God to idols. We see this recurring a lot through the Old Testament, going back and forth between following God and then forgetting all of everything that God did and turning to idols again. Israel turned away from God's protection and put their trust in stones and trees. Let's pick the record back up in chapter 11. Chapter 11 is the first of six sections known as the Confessions of Jeremiah. At this time, Jeremiah had been preaching repentance to Israel and the coming destruction from the north. Verse 18, The Lord made it known to me, and I knew. Then you showed me their deeds. But I was like a gentle lamb led to the, to the slaughter. I did not know it was against me they devised schemes, saying, Let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name be remembered no more. But, O Lord of hosts, who judges righteously, who tests, examines the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them, for to you I have committed my cause. It's a little bit of a tough statement that Jeremiah has here, but Jeremiah is petitioning to God about his treatment, about the suffering for what he is preaching. There has even been a plot against his life from people of his own town. His own life was at risk, and even verse 21 goes on to say, Do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, or you will die by our hand. He had threats all around him because he was preaching destruction, and nothing was happening. Nothing was coming to pass. Jeremiah prays for vengeance, but we also see that Jeremiah knows that God is just. He judges righteously. And ultimately, at the end of verse 20, Jeremiah states that he is all in trusting God. For to you, God, have I committed my cause. Jeremiah was committed to God and following, but he also knows that in his five senses, he was struggling. He was having death threats. He was being mocked. He was being humiliated. But God reassures Jeremiah in verses 21 through 23 of his promise again in chapter 1 about not being afraid of those he preaches to, for they will get what they deserve. And just a few verses over, it's the second confession of Jeremiah. Let's take a look. Jeremiah chapter 12 Verse 1, Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you. Yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them, and they take root. They grow and produce fruit. You are near in their mouth and far from their heart. But 
You, O Lord, know me. You see me and test my heart toward you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for the day of slaughter. How long will the land mourn and the grass of every field wither? For the evil of those who dwell in it, the beasts and the birds are swept away because they said he will not see our latter end. Jeremiah again is petitioning to God about his suffering. He even brings in all the innocents that are suffering because of what's going on in the culture. He is even pointing the finger at God as he is the one who is not preventing what is happening to Israel. He brought about the state of where Israel currently is in, is what Jeremiah is pointing out here. But Jeremiah is preaching the judgment of God and it has not come yet. So he is just suffering persecution, mocking, even death threats. God's response, we'll see here, is not exactly what you would expect. Verse 5. If you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe land you are so trusting, what will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? For even your brothers in the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. They are in full cry after you. Do not believe them, though they speak friendly words to you. Buckle up. It's going to get a little worse. <laughs> it's not exactly the most inspirational thing you would think, but God here is not trying to hide or sugarcoat it. It's not always easy having faith. Jeremiah is complaining and pleading for a lighter load. God is saying to continue to be faithful, to continue to trust Him. It's going to get harder, but trust in me. Trust in my sufficiency and my plan for you. God wants Jeremiah to know where his sufficiency and where his trust and faithfulness should be. The last confession of Jeremiah is in chapter 20. Please turn there. The other three confessions of Jeremiah follow a similar pattern to Jeremiah's strength, where Jeremiah's strength is running out and he is petitioning to God. But in all cases, Jeremiah knows that not being faithful is the worst path that he could take. The last confession of Jeremiah is in chapter 20. Let's look at it. Let's start in verse 7. O Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You are stronger than I, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all the day. Everyone mocks me. For whatever I speak, I cry out, I shout, violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has come to me, a reproach and division all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in, and I cannot. For I hear many whispering, terror is on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. Say all my close friends watching for my fall. Perhaps he will be deceived, and, then, and we, then we can overcome him and take a revenge on him. Jemiah thought God had left him. At this point, Jemiah had just been thrown in prison, and everyone was after him. He had become the laughingstock. Remember what we read in Hebrews 11? Everyone mocked Jemiah. Everyone thought that what he was saying was untrue. 
that it was just made up. There's no reason to heed it, that you don't need to turn back to God, that you'll be fine. All the gold, all the riches, all the power, they had everything, and they were worshiping idols. Jeremiah was a little bit hasty in his decisive thought in verse 9 to stop being a prophet. He knew that it was disobedient of the resolution that he formed, that he was not relying on the promise and strength of God. He was turning his own to his own sufficiency. However, the word of God within him was as strong as a raging fire, and Jeremiah felt ashamed to try and contain it. Verse 9 can be used today for those not wanting to share hard truths or repentance with friends and family. However, the mild discomfort we might experience in our lives trying to share hard truths or repentance with someone pales in comparison to what Jeremiah was going through. To still have faith to share the message of repentance when his situation far exceeds anything we can think of today. Let's look at verse 11. But the Lord is with me as a dread warrior. Therefore my persecutors will stumble. They will not overcome me. They will be greatly shamed, for they will not succeed. Their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. Jeremiah knew the truth. The Lord is with me as a dread, a terrifying warrior. It is God's strength that ultimately Jeremiah relied on. Verse 12, O Lord of hosts who tests, examines the righteous, who sees the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them, for to you have I committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the needy from the hand of the evildoers. Verse 12 ends with the same statement as in the first confession of Jeremiah. For to you, God, I have committed my cause. Where was Jeremiah's trust? In God. Where was Jeremiah's faith? In God. What was Jeremiah doing? Following God's commandments. There are 52 chapters in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah's last confession that we looked at was in chapter 20, not even halfway through. <laughs> Jeremiah 25.3 states that up to that point, Jeremiah had been preaching for 23 years. Jeremiah prophesied for 40 years before the fall of Jerusalem, and some of the prophecies he was preaching were fulfilled. He suffered mocking for another 20 years beyond the point of what we looked at. Jeremiah was faithful through it all, and even though the entire time he was mocked, Jeremiah was put in prison, thrown into wells. He prophesied to kings that their kingdoms would fall, and he was even taken to Egypt at the end against his will. He was rejected by his friends, neighbors, family, false priests and prophets, and kings. Jeremiah stood alone in his call for the people to repent and turn to God. But God was always right there beside him. What does a successful life look like? Some may look back at Jeremiah's ministry and consider it a failure because people did not respond to his call and because of the confessions that we covered this morning. In reality, his life was a glorious success. 
because Jeremiah remained faithful to God even through all the adversity that he faced. It's not the five senses that show success. It is that faithfulness of following God that is the success. Please turn back to Hebrews 11. We're going to look at our second example today. This example is also not called out by name. However, his reference is a little bit easier to see here. Hebrews 11, we'll start in verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Stopped the mouths of lions. That one's, I think, one that I remember. Uh, we'll be looking at Daniel today, Daniel and the lion's den. Please turn to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel, as a youth, was taken hostage to Babylon from Jerusalem. He has been taken prisoner as a captive in a foreign land. Daniel's kind of in a little bit of a rough situation. King Nebuchadnezzar commands to have some of the best, best youths from Israel to be trained as wise men. This training included being renamed, three years of schooling in the way of the Chaldeans, and being fed the king's food. Let's see Daniel's response. Daniel chapter 1, we'll start in verse 8. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Daniel took a stand that he would follow God's word regardless of what might happen to him. God did not tell Daniel ahead of time, it's fine, go ahead and say this, go ahead and go against what the chief eunuch's saying. Daniel might have gotten some comfort from a letter that Jemiah wrote to the new exiles. Uh, you can read this in Jemiah chapter 29, and John Ely covered this in his exile section in the Final Kingdom series teaching. But Daniel put his trust and faith in God that following his commandments and promises was the best thing for his life, regardless of the outcome. He could have thought that God had forsaken him, as Daniel had just been taken hostage, that he had been stripped of his Jewish name. Would anyone blame him for just falling suit, buckling down, doing what you're told to survive? But having faith in God is not about the outcome, remember? Our job is to be faithful and to trust that God's plan is greater than anything that we can think of. This does not always mean it would be perceived as a good outcome to follow God's will. Regardless of the outcome, our job is to stay faithful and to follow God's commands. Faithfulness is always easy. No, <laughs> faithfulness is not always easy. If following God's commandments was easy and always resulted in what the world sees and considers as good, then everyone would be doing it. Faith is simple, but it is not easy. True faith is trusting that following God is the best thing for your life, regardless of the outcome. In Daniel's case, he had to make a tough choice. Turn to chapter 6, please. Leading up to Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel interprets two dreams for Nebuchadnezzar. 
After the first dream interpretation, Daniel was promoted. The king paid him homage, showered him in gifts, and even made him head over all the wise men of Babylon. Not a bad outcome. In between the dreams, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's refusal to worship the golden image in Nebuchadnezzar, you will hear more of this in the coming weeks. The second dream interpretation was telling the king Nebuchadnezzar, uh, verse 25 of chapter 4 says that, You shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox. You shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. That would be very difficult, at least in my perspective, of trying to tell a king, this is what's going to happen to you. <laughs> this is actually very similar to what we saw in Jemiah's later life. Jemiah prophesied to kings face to face that their kingdom was going to fail. That would be really hard to tell someone who has the authority to pretty much have you beheaded or thrown into prison immediately that kind of a message. Next, Belshazzar takes over as king in chapter 5. Daniel interprets the writing, the writing on the wall for Belshazzar. He is offered gifts and a position of being third ruler in the kingdom. But Daniel answers in chapter 5 verse 17, then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself, and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. Daniel's drive for his faithfulness is not from the rewards that he might receive from men. Let's pick up the record in Daniel chapter 6. Here Darius, Belshazzar's son, is now king. Verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps would give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because of an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Sounds like Daniel's doing pretty well. He's going to be in second command over the whole kingdom. So it reminds me a lot of Joseph having a similar life, being an alien in a foreign land and yet raising to be second in command. Daniel has been handsomely rewarded for his, by man for his faithfulness. So much so that he was actually making some enemies who wanted to see him fail. The high officials convinced Darius to sign a decree that whoever makes petitions to any god or man for 30 days, except to Darius, shall be cast into the den of lions. Daniel has to make a decision, and staying faithful could have some very bad outcomes. Let's see Daniel's response. Verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house, where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. What was the first thing that Daniel did? Hide under a rock? No. Daniel went to God. He boldly prayed and gave thanks to God. 
he didn't even shut his windows. Daniel could have been like, so God, you know I've been faithful for many years. I even told that king bad news like you asked. Can I take, you know, a vacation for 30 days? I really don't want to be thrown in a den of lions. And I'll continue to be faithful after the 30 days. No, that is not what Daniel did. Daniel was ultimately caught, and the high officials brought the charge to the king. Let's pick it back up in verse 14. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. The king tried everything in his power to get Daniel out of this situation. But verse 15, Then these men came to, by agreement, to the king and said to the king, now, O king, that is the law of the Medes and Persians, can, that no injunction or ordinance that the king established can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into a den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. Even the king recognized that man's, that his, the king's power, was not enough to be able to save Daniel. But, the king recognized that Daniel's God was greater and had the power to save him. Verse 17, And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. The sealing of the rock, the sealing with the rock, even helped demonstrate God's power. No tricks, no swaps could have been done. The same thing occurred with Jesus. The high priests were concerned with the, that the apostles would steal Jesus' body, claiming a miracle by saying that Jesus had been resurrected. How wrong they were. <laughs> the next morning, the king ran down to the lion's den. Verse 20. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Look at how Darius sees Daniel, servant of the living God, whom Daniel serves continually. Darius knew that Daniel was faithful, regardless of what the outcome in the lion's den was. Verse 21, Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. <laughs> My God has sent his angel and shut the, mouth, the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Daniel trusted in God. He was faithful to follow God's commandments, even when he knew the full extent of what it would be to get caught. Thrown into a lion's den was clearly noted, in that, in that decree. It is not the response or outcome that we should consider to be faithful to God or not. Whether it looks like it might be perceived as a good or bad outcome is irrelevant. Our faithfulness to follow God's commandment and His word does not, is not determined by the outcome. We do it knowing that that is what is best for our lives. Let's look at Darius' response. Verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. 
I make a decree that in all of my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. Enduring forever, his kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. What a message. Look at the impact of Daniel being faithful to God. Look at how many people got to hear the message of what God did, what God can do and will do. You have the living God enduring forever. Kingdom shall never be destroyed. All dominion. God delivers and rescues. God works signs and wonders. He saved Daniel from the lion's den. How awesome is our God? Verse 28. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Daniel went through many trials and through it all trusted and put his faith in God. He knew the best thing he could do in any situation was to follow, trust, and go to God. He had true faith in God. Remember the three themes from the beginning? I know that's a while ago now. <laughs> the first one was faith, our sufficiency is not from ourselves. Jeremiah, he was called to be a prophet as a youth. Daniel, he took a stand as an exile and a youth. Both were in positions that they thought they did not have the ability to stand or be a person for God. Yet we saw that that is not true. That the sufficiency and the ability and the power and strength, all that comes from God. Second one, faithfulness is not always easy or convenient. Jeremiah, his whole life was made difficult based on being a prophet and the prophecies that he was saying for God. But ultimately, it gave Israel a chance to repent. He called them to repent. They just chose not to. Daniel, he knew it was a trap to try and serve and not uh, give, I guess, uh, prayers or favor to Darius during the time. And he knew what the outcome would be, that it would be the lion's den, that it was death. To anyone else, that would be a full-on death sentence. Yet, he was still faithful. Faithfulness is not determined by the outcome. Jeremiah, he knew after each confession that he did, that he would continue to be mocked, that he would continue to be, receive death threats. Yet, Jeremiah persevered. He stayed faithful. Daniel, most of Daniel's life could probably be perceived as good outcomes. But the lion's den was a known bad outcome. He knew that for 30 days, if he has kept his mouth shut, didn't pray to God, didn't do his uh, faithfulness, he would be fine. But he decided that that would not stop him and his faith. That he would still be faithful to God even with the consequences of death. I challenge you to live your life like Jeremiah and Daniel. Even in, the faith of, even in the face of adversity and through adversity, we can trust God. We can grow in faith. We can be faithful to Him, the one who is always faithful to us, regardless of the outcomes. Thank you.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for everything that you do for us each and every day. Thank you for how you set this word that we can read of the examples of those who you've helped in the past. Thank you for how their faith, how their example, how it can just bolster us knowing that you are there even in the thicket of everything, that you are our sufficiency, that you are our strength in each and every situation. For this perverse and crooked world, it will not overcome us, for we know that you are greater and that you are where everything comes from, that we can go to you and find ourselves in any situation knowing that it is your path, it is your will that we will follow and that we know that you are faithful and that we can be faithful to you also. We thank you for this in the name of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Compass Christian Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information on how we are striving to follow Jesus together here in Louisville, Kentucky, check out our website, compasslu.org, where you can subscribe to our newsletter and view additional resources.